Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Spartan Forge. On today's episode, I am joined by Jordan Hollinsworth from the mountains of Southern Virginia. Jordan has been able to kill some extremely impressive big woods mountain bucks in an area not known for giant deer. We discuss the story of his 2021 buck, where he focuses his time scouting, trail camera strategies, keys to consistent success, wind and thermals, one sticking saddle hunting, and much more. 100% born in the Appalachian Mountains and made in the USA, Timber Ninja Outdoors provides a range of mobile hunting options to accommodate diverse hunting preferences. Whether you prioritize comfort, lightweight design, or versatility, their two-panel and single-panel saddles collection has something for everyone. The Black Belt Nano is the lightest single-panel saddle available on the market, weighing in under a pound. The saddle is designed with the minimalist hunter in mind, focusing on lightweight functionality and breathability. One notable feature is the patent-pending magnetic stick clip system on the side, which allows for convenient transportation of sticks up the tree, as well as a built-in platform holder. The Nano Saddle can be folded up to the size of a Nalgene bottle, enabling easy portability. With a four-way stretch material on the back for a comfortable fit, as well as strategically placed padding for hip pinch relief. You can use code EASTMEETSWEST to get free shipping on any Timber Ninja order. If you try it out and don't like it, send it back within 30 days for a full refund. Learn more at TimberNinjaOutdoors.com and sign up for their email newsletter for exclusive discounts and product drops. When it comes to optics, I get the same question over and over again. What are the best all-around binoculars? Well, it's tough to find something that works in every condition great, but after using a pair of Maven B1.2 10x42s, I think I found them. They feature an 8x or a 10x option, superior low light performance, tack sharp edge to edge clarity, a generous depth of field, and a silky focus mechanism. All of Maven Optics have a lifetime no fault warranty and hail from the great state of Wyoming. I've been using Maven Optics since I bought my first pair in 2017, and I think you should test them out for yourself. Head over to mavenbuilt.com and use the code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT for a free gift with any full price optics order. For all of those that want a truck bed cover for work or play, Diamondback makes the top of the line heavy duty covers that help you do more with your truck. They're perfect for the truck owning, avid sportsmen, outdoor enthusiasts, and weekend project warriors. I'm currently using the HD cover that can is capable of holding up to 1,600 pounds on the top. And then I have the Yakima overhaul HD bars on top so I can put my rooftop tent on it. When I'm not using my rooftop tent and able to use the trifold design of the Diamondback, I have the Crossbin 8 in there to organize all of my stuff in the back of my truck bed. Diamondback is made right here in Phillipsburg, Pennsylvania. If you want to check them out, head over to diamondbackcovers.com. If you've wanted that hunting camp tradition that we talk about, that experience, but you don't have a hunting camp of your own, you're welcome to come stay at my hunting camp up here in the Pennsylvania wilds called the Elk Crossing Getaway in the PA wilds. So if you go over to Airbnb, you can check out our three-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath house that's right in the heart of Pennsylvania elk country. 
It's only minutes away from a bunch of public land to be able to hunt, hiking trails, outdoor recreation, fishing, all of those things there. The house is completely fully stocked with everything that you need to be able to, to spend a week hunting deer, taking your family up to see the elk, anything like that. So if you head over to Airbnb and search Elk Crossing Getaway in the PA Wilds, you'll find my listing there and you can rent out my house. Send us a message, an inquiry that you're interested in it and mention that you heard it on the podcast here, then we'll get you 10% off of your first day. On today's Mountain Buck Monday story of the week, this one comes from Kevin High out of Pennsylvania. So first of all, I want to say Kevin wrote to me and he's shared this photo and the story. He's like, I, I know you mostly share, you know, uh, public land mountain bucks. And, and I don't know if you're interested in this story because it's on private land. And I just want to let everybody know, I don't care at all if you hunt public or private land, um, Mountain bucks are mountain bucks, big woods deer. I like sharing them all. I like hearing about them all. I, for the most part, I hunt public land. I do hunt pr- some private land. There, I don't care what what anybody does, as long as it's legal. I like it, and uh, I think that's awesome that Kevin shared this story. So, Kevin wrote in. I acquired the hunting rights to a 14 and a half acre property in Pennsylvania. My buddy bought in the middle of 2020. The property is on the very top of a mountain. My first order of business was installing a water hole and a food plot. The water hole was an instant hit, but the food plot was a work in progress, but had good bucks show up randomly in late October and in early November checking on our few local does. After pulling in a ton of work, the plot was better for 2021, and I was able to arrow my biggest bow buck on October 30th at 22 yards. The buck field dressed at 215 pounds and scored 137 inches. Such an awesome deer, and actually Kevin had shared a little video of that buck too, so I shared all that over on the Instagram, East Meets West Hunt, and Facebook, East Meets West Outdoors, so you can go over and check that out. So last week I had announced that I'm going to be doing a mountain buck scouting camp uh, in Pennsylvania, April 9th and 10th that weekend, and asked for a lot. I asked for feedback on you know one or two days. Asked for feedback on the price. I asked for feedback on just about everything that I, and I got a ton of feedback. And so I'm only going to take 20 to 25 people. I have decided on a two-day course. It's going to be more like one and a half days. Um, it's not going to be a full day the second day, but I want to get a lot of in-the-field scouting involved in this as well as not cramming everything into one day once I started looking at it. Um, so g- going to do that, and I'll have more details. I'm really pushing for the end of this week. So if you want the, the details first, then I- I'm going to announce on the podcast next week, but I, I truly... I'll get it out first through email. So if you go to my website, eastmeetswesthunt.com, and there's a little contact us form there, fill that in, say you're interested in the scouting course. I've got a ton of emails already on it, and I will be contacting you first because I'm only taking 20 to 25 people in this. Um, actually, I've, I was blown away by uh, the the people that have reached out so far. 
I've got as of now over 140 people that are interested in wanting to do it. So I'm, I don't know. It, it always depends once once you have to get the credit card out whether uh, whether people will sign up there or not. But I'll have a lot more details on that soon. But definitely would recommend uh, signing up for the email list there because that'll be the first place that I release any of the the information on it. Um, I'd mentioned last week that Jake Bush is going to be coming. Jake had to back out because he has to work that weekend as he saw his schedule. But uh, I have Steve Shirk, who I was planning on asking anyways, talk to him today, and he's in. So him, Johnny Stewartson, um, pretty sure Chad from Exit Trail Cameras will be coming out, Bill from Spartan Forge, um, and uh, Taylor Chamberlain from Tethered. And there's going to be, it'll be a really good, really good event and it's going to be packed full of information Um, i'm excited to to be able to put this on and learn from other people like i said just be patient with me getting this information out um just been really really busy uh with my day job getting seemingly busier and then uh everything with with east meets west on the side has been been pretty crazy here lately so trying to trying to get all that stuff together um another news i'll be at uh, if you listen to this when it comes out i'll be at the maven optics booth um at the great american outdoor show saturday and sunday i'll be there working for maven i've done it for the last six or seven years now i just work the booth not just there to to inform people on the products get your hands on the products to be able to to check that out so hope that uh if you're there stop by check out some of the maven optics and say hello i would uh definitely uh appreciate that and i hope everyone has a great week keep sending your feedback if you have any other ideas or suggestions for the the scouting camp that gonna be doing um or really anything else podcast topics things like that send it in I love to hear that feedback. So hope everyone has a great rest of your week. All right, we're live. Jordan Hollinsworth, welcome to the show. Hey, Bo. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm super excited about this one because I found out that I'm stealing your podcast virginity and this is your first time ever being on a show. So I'm pumped about it. That is correct. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, Southwest Virginia, uh, Abingdon to be exact, um, close to close to Tennessee, North Carolina, all that intersection right there. So. Yeah, oh, that, that's cool. And and uh, how how I got to I guess talk to you at first was I I think it was did you sent you might have sent in a submission to the Mountain Buck Monday, um, and then another one, and then I you know we started talking a little bit, and I was like, man, uh, this this guy. This guy's a killer, and and also uh, and Nathan Killen also uh, uh, speaks very highly of you, um, as as you guys are both Virginia mountain hunters. So I was when I asked you to come on the show, and you agreed. I I was excited about it. Oh yeah, I appreciate that, Bo. Uh, yeah, I talk to Nathan every now and then, and uh, he's given me some a lot of good pointers for hunting these uh, mountains in Southwest Virginia, Appalachian Mountains, and. Uh, yeah, I think I've been pretty blessed the past few years. Yeah. Killing pretty good, pretty good bucks. 
Yeah. So tell, tell me a little uh, background on yourself and who you are. And uh, you told me where you're from, but just give a little background on yourself. So I'm, uh, I'm a photographer. Uh, I've been a full-time photographer since, uh, I guess, five, five years now. I've been doing it since 2015. Um, now I do weddings and, and stuff and starting to travel more and like like this past year, we went to Colorado and Wyoming, California, Jamaica, doing weddings, and you know it's fun. Get to do it with my wife and travel all over. And um, so you know, also you know, I think that affords me the ability to to be able to spend so much time hunting. Yeah, <laughs> so get to make my own schedule, and you know, it's kind of a it's kind of hard, hard, hard to put away time to hunt as opposed to doing business. But, you know, I, I make myself do it. That's all, about the only time of year that, you know, I, I get to set everything aside in November and get in the woods and chase whitetails. But, yeah. Uh, aside from that, um, I guess I got into hunting at a very young age, just like most everybody. Uh, my dad introduced me to it when, I was really young, maybe eight or nine, and he took me with with him uh, deer hunting. I, me- I remember his muzzleloader hunting on public land, and <clears throat> I was with him right right at his thigh on a on a ridge, and um, a young buck come down through there, and he shot it, and it was like I don't know, ten yards or something, fell right there in front of us. Man, I was hooked. <laughs> I, I got to get some of this. I got to <laughs> teach me, teach me how. Yeah. Uh, Dad kind of, you know, showed me the ropes of the basics and got me into it and just took off from there. And I guess I kept going with it. Yeah, I I would say so. Yeah. So. <laughs> Did you, um, so I, when, when you went, you know, full time with photography, was that something you had in mind, um, of wanting to be able to have more time to hunt or were you just super passionate about, uh, doing photography and that is, as kind of a, a business and career? I think, uh, you know, the idea of photography, um, was first and foremost, you know, for a career, it's like, man, I love it. I've always done it. It's been a hobby of mine, um, you know, shooting wildlife and, and landscapes, but, you know, it's really hard to get into, um, get a deer or a landscape to pay you. So like, I kind of got into (laughs) the rest of the stuff, the families and, uh, seniors, weddings and all that. But yeah, um, but then, you know, the, the good part about it, hunting, a lot of time hunting come out of it. So yeah, that was perfect. Perfect little setup. Yeah, no, that's, that's for sure. And, um, so with that, with that being said, you know, where, where you live at in Virginia and I guess like the types of areas that, that you hunt, describe what the landscape's like a little bit. Cause you know, I, I haven't, I've never hunted the area. Um, I've driven through 
um, Virginia and some of the mountain areas. I worked for a while in Virginia in some of the mountain areas and it's big country. And, uh, it's, it's very, there's, there's a lot of elevation from top to bottom, um, you know, bigger than what we have in most of the places here in Pennsylvania, just from pure, um, from bottom to top, you know, size wise, it's just big country. Yeah, it is. It is. It is quite ridiculous. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. The mountains around here are, uh, are can be pretty rugged. I mean, uh, like I think the you know the deer I I killed uh, this past year. It was on a piece of public that was you know just a piece, and that connects to other pieces. It was like forty thousand acres, of just just unbroken forest rugged mountaintops and mountain laurel and rhododendron and, you know, hardwoods, oaks and all that, but, um, pretty rugged. There ain't much flat around here. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it definitely doesn't, definitely doesn't look at, I've spent a lot of time looking at maps too, um, in the area there, just cause like I, I'd love to, to hunt, uh, that area at some point. I'm just obsessed with just anywhere in the Appalachian mountain region and, and, uh, just wanting to, uh, you know, spend time in a lot of different areas and just see it. And it, it, like I said, for me, it's just like, okay, how do you, um, you know, how, how, when you break down, like just all the different elevation, um, levels, you know, doing that. And I'm not asking you that question yet. Cause I will, we'll get into that, but just like, again, looking at it from the outside, looking in, it's just, it's big country and it can be overwhelming for people. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, you just look at a big piece of unbroken land, unbroken forest, and it's just topo ridges and valleys for days. I mean, and it it's kind of mind-boggling to, you know, kind of sit down and dissect it. But, you know, if you know what you're looking for, you can kind of pick it apart a little and get in yeah. there and get boots on the ground and check it out. Yeah, so I I think how I want to start this, and it's kind of a little a little bit different than I had planned, but I'd like to just hear the story of your twenty twenty one deer, um, explaining you know from the point of finding this deer and all the way through and to the point where you killed him, and then just ask some questions throughout, and then uh, then kind of go backwards from that. Does that sound good with you? Yeah, sure. Um, so where I killed this. Uh, this deer in 2021 was a totally new spot. Uh, had never set foot on there, but one time before, um, the one time before I walked through there, um, a couple miles back and, you know, in, in those obvious spots, I saw, um, good, good deer sign, uh, big rubs, good scrapes, like, some community scrapes that were really pawed out. Looked like, you know, maybe several ag- aggressive deer were using that scrape and um, pretty good sized rubs. So I hunted um, that first time till dark. Thought I was in a pretty good spot, good setup, but um, some turkeys kind of spooked and went the direction that I thought the deer may be and I didn't see anything that day. So I, you know, kind of put that spot in the back of my head and 
So, so let me let me take a let me take a step back here before you go any further. So, what what ma- what did this spot look like that um, that you were finding this sign in? Like, what what was what was uh, I guess particular about it? Maybe what the terrain looked like, maybe what the vegetation looked like. What made you go there, and why do you think that big sign was there? Well, the the country is really rugged. Um, uh, look kind of like uh it was kind of like an overlooked spot a place where um you could get away from people get deep um deep into public and you know away from the road um so really that's that's the reason i uh went there there are several um eastern facing slopes that i saw in there from a topo um really thick country you, you kind of tell that from uh just driving by it um but yeah i'd say that's the reason i i wanted to check it out so you you focus a lot on eastern facing slopes is that is that because of primarily westerly winds or what what makes you look at those yeah. slopes yeah I, I think it's those predominant winds coming out of the west um you know, coming over those ridge tops, I think those bucks like to, you know, tend to stay on those sides, bed on those sides, eastern facing slopes. Okay. Um, yeah. And then, and then, is that is that a trend too that you see as far as with the thick rhododendron and mountain laurel and stuff? Is that where you typically are finding these deer in some of those real thick, nasty areas? <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> uh, I think that contributes a lot to it. Um, and you know, not, not ever, uh, every Eastern facing slope is created equal and they don't all hold, you know, good deer or whatever. Um, you just gotta, gotta check them all out and get in there and see what's, what's going on. Did, so did you, um, when you said you found this sign, was that in the spring, uh, that you, that you found it that made you want to focus on it that year? Or was that like at the beginning of the season? Well, that was during season. That might have been, may have been a week before oh. I killed the deer. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I was getting like mid-November and I was getting a little, you know, a little nervous. Uh, I didn't know if I was going to make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, man, I got to switch it up and go somewhere else. And um, went in there at one time, saw that sign. Um I don't know. It might have been a week later. I, I went in there mid morning and um, pushed deeper and kept following the sign, the big sign, and and kind of went a little. Uh, eh, I don't know. I just kept going deeper and uh, got on a steep, thick, nasty. Eastern facing slope, but you couldn't even tell the eastern facing slope hardly on the map. Uh, it was just like a little tiny terrain feature. And I got up in there and went around the bend and I saw some beds and got just under the top and got around a tree that had mountain laurel around it real thick and kind of, it's kind of like a little uh, natural blind. I kind of sit up there against the tree and um, sat there for maybe, I don't know, five or 10 minutes and got settled and 
I think I grunted a few times and turned over that phone bleat call. And now five or ten minutes, I heard one coming off the top of the ridge, and I saw saw antlers, and he come down the ridge, and then I thought he was going to come straight down the ridge, but he turned and started coming right towards me, and I shot him like quarter and two at ten yards with a rifle. So, man, after, yeah, 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 it was perfect on the ground. That was great. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, that's that's phenomenal. So do you, do you think that I mean was he did you think he was cruising for does or something or was he, you know, do you think he was bedded right there on that that little knob or terrain feature that you were finding on that that eastern facing slope? Uh I think he was coming back to bed down in there where I was or he had heard heard that grunt and uh, bleat that I did, and it was coming to that. Um, you know, after I killed him, like he didn't—he didn't smell real musky like they usually do this time that time of year. Um, like he was rotting. Like the rut here was weird this year. I don't know. I, I didn't see much all year. Like it was tough. Yeah. Very- it, it, um, you know, the rut for us was the, I, I would say it would be the same way. I didn't hunt it much personally, um, just from, but from everybody else that, that I talked to my family and, and running cameras and stuff. And it was, it was a weird year. It didn't seem like there was any, like there was, there was a few days based on my cameras that seemed like they were more stand out than others as far as deer movement goes, but it wasn't like, it, 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 I don't know. It just didn't seem very typical whatsoever. And what what was the day that you ended up killing that deer? I think it was the twenty second. Okay, so late, later in November there. It was pretty late. Yeah, I you know I hunt I hunted like usually I hunt like all in November until I get it done. Um, but you know, like all up until uh, November twenty second, I hunted like all in November. Um, and I saw a few good bucks that just were just out of range, uh, in the first week of November. But other than that, you know, I didn't see nothing like hardly any does, bucks, nothing like it was, it was treacherous. <laughs> <laughs> Rough year. <laughs> what, what, so do you hunt October much at all, or are you still doing a lot of, uh, weddings and stuff at that point? Well, October, October is like one of the busiest years for, or busiest months for photography. And, and I try to get out there some and I try to kind of limit it. So I'm not, I don't get burnt out. I learned my lesson on that a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> out there every day up until, you know, November is the best time. But, um, so a few days here and there in October. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you're most mostly trying to focus on your high priority days in in November. That's yeah, that's the way I've done it to this point too. It's like I I I mean I hunt maybe three or four days really in October every year, and then uh, that's when I you know take my vacation from work or whatever. It always seems to be throughout because and in the big woods, unless you're unless you are like living there and and learning those food sources and how to. I mean, it's just it's just tough so if you if you're looking at when's the best 
to spend your time. I agree with you. The rut's the rut's oh, the yeah. ticket. <laughs> Right. Yeah, you got it done early, first day of I know. October. I know. <laughs> and then, then then when I shot my New York buck was in October too, and that was like that this is a uh a year that wasn't typical, let's put it that way. Typically I'm a um a mid November type last week kind of guy at the archery season and uh it's yeah, it it was weird. I it was funny, I, I someone was asking me like how did you feel with it and I was like I don't know it was weird because like I almost felt anxiety like I should be doing something like I should be hunting hard or I should be doing something you know during the rut I'm at work yeah. and I'm like this is weird I don't know how to how I feel yeah, about this yeah I wouldn't be able to handle it that'd be crazy <laughs> yeah it, re- it really was yeah. <laughs> It was, it was, uh, it was definitely different, but, um, so like, so that's when, when you're scouting and everything, that's, you know, a lot of that is based around, um, you know, hunting the rut from the sounds of it. Pretty well. Um, I do a lot of scouting, like in, in season scouting when I'm, when I'm hunting, like I have my, I have traditional spots, you know, that, you know, I guess produced or I saw saw that it was holding mature deer or whatever last year or years prior and you know i'll hunt those and know that they'll they'll be okay um but if that that doesn't work out you know i'll go somewhere else and do in-season scouting um and find that hot sign and and big sign and and go from there how much do you do you do much as far as spring scouting Uh, I do a good bit, um, while I'm shed hunting, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say I find a lot of sheds, but <laughs> I, I think I do more scouting than shed hunting, but, um, every, every chance I can, I, I get out, um, in the spring, like March, February, March and, and do scouting from check out everything from last, you know, you, you can, you know, you can see a lot from from last last rut and see what's been going on yeah and with um so to to look at when you're looking at scouting how much how much do you do from like an aerial scouting standpoint versus do you just look at it quickly and then you need to get boots on the ground or do you spend a lot of time um you know on the computer and looking at the maps from from that standpoint what's your kind of approach to that i'd say i spend i spend a good amount of time like on the computer at topos looking for new areas uh looking at terrain features for new spots to check out but other than that you know once you once you uh determine an area you want to go like i i gotta get in there i gotta get in there and check it out because you know it could pan out and it could not you know i don't think i figured out that real magic yeah magic look to the topo yet <laughs> but, hey that's where i need to go and then i go in there and that's where i need to be so yeah i gotta check it out yeah um so like when you're those areas that you're looking at that kind of jump out uh, you talked about eastern facing slopes you're talking about thick areas is there any other like terrain features or anything like um that that jump out at you as something that you need to check out or when you're in there, if you find it, it's like, okay, this is something that's, that's important. 
Have you ever wanted to have Levi Morgan, Andy May, Johnny Stewart, and others available at all times? Well, you can with CyberScout from Spartan Forge. CyberScout is like the chat GPT for outdoors men and women. You can ask it any questions related to bow building, scouting, hunting, survival, and a whole lot more. I think you'll be impressed with how it responds. CyberScout is currently out now for a select group of early beta testers and will be available to the rest of you really soon. The entire app is a complete tool for planning your hunt with incredible aerial imagery mapping, journaling, deer prediction, and some of the most accurate and detailed weather data. Use the code East Meets West to save 20%. And if you're still on the fence, give the 14-day free trial a chance at SpartanForge.ai. CVA has been America's number one selling muzzleloader brand for over a decade. Hunting with a muzzleloader opens up a ton of hunting opportunities across the U.S., and I've been using the Acura series. But they don't only make badass muzzleloaders. Their line of centerfire rifles are great quality and not terrible on the wallet. The Cascade short barrel is ideal for tight quarters, deer drives, and quick shots in the big woods. You can check out their line of muzzleloaders, rifles, and accessories for every season and every range at bpioutdoors.com CVA. If you use the code EASTMEETSWEST10, you'll get 10% off of all CVA products, which includes rifles, muzzleloaders, and accessories. From looking at, like, looking at a topo? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe looking at a, a big, pretty saddle and, you know, that, <laughs> that would help me not to go there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From everybody, everybody else. else. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'd say those, I'd say mainly I just focus on the, the Eastern side of ridges, um, and far back away from the road. Yeah. Yeah, I guess like secondary ridges off of the main mountain range. Uh, okay. The eastern side of those. Um, so things that are like, so you either got to go up or down to get to them. So it kind of reduces the amount of hunting uh, pressure that it's going to have. Yeah, that's right. It's usually up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> around here it's usually up yeah (laughs) that's that's funny um like like i like i was alluding to earlier and you kind of described it's definitely steep country so you're you're having to to climb and put some put some effort into it some sweat equity to get get to some of these spots from the sounds of it oh yeah that's right it's every time (laughs) yeah these hikes are pretty treacherous like yeah like doing it every day day after day in november that's what you're talking about the burnout that's until people <laughs> yeah. until people hunt like the mountains or hunt some of these big woods areas like you don't understand like it's one thing it is tiring to sit in the tree all day don't get me wrong but when you have yeah. to talk yourself into getting up at three in the morning or whatever it is to drive to your spot and hike in and get in there it's day after day after day it just wears yeah. on you Oh man, yeah, it's tough. Like, <laughs> it's real bad. Like, you know, come Sunday, you can't hunt on public on Sunday down here. And I'm like, thankful, kind of like, <laughs> I need a break, you know? <laughs> yeah. <Pretty rough. laughs> 
Uh, that's funny. <laughs> um, what about, um, all right, so when you go in to scout an area, whether it's in the spring or in season, um, are you going to like the, those points of interest, say like the you, these eastern facing slopes and just trying to walk as much of it as you can? Do you try to, like, how, what's your strategy when you look at a, a new area and you're heading into it? Well, I think, really, I kind of go through the entire new area, keep my eyes peeled. I kind of go through those obvious areas that, you know, some, maybe the majority of people hunt like these pretty open, open woods. And, you know, there's a lot of sign there usually. Um, so I check those spots out, um, saddles, stuff like that, check for the sign. And then, and then I'll kind of branch off from there if I find once I start finding sign, just kind of follow it. Uh, see see where the next 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 big rub is, or you know next next scrape, and I'll just go from there. Yeah, and yeah, and I guess it, that that's an important point. You know, some of those pretty areas that might attract other hunters, but it also it, they'd leave sign there, so you can you know, find that big sign that you're looking for and knowing that there's you know, a, a big deer in the area without, you know, beating brush through the laurel and the rhododendron trying to, trying to see it from that, that aspect. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you can, uh, you can kind of, you know, if you, like if I find sign and uh big, big deer sign in one of those pretty areas, you know, I might back out and, go back to the map and look look at the terrain features and and such from my topo map when I once I get out in relation to that big sign. Mhm. And and then yeah, try to put the pieces of the puzzle together at that point. Right. And what what when you when you say, you know, you're finding big sign is it are you looking at rubs and scrapes for the most part? How, you know, what 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 do you can <clears throat> excuse me consider as big sign? I'd say, well, I think rubs rubs are about the only thing you can kind of determine that that a substantial deer has has left there. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you can kind of tell how aggressive the deer is, and I kind of relate. You know, if the if the if the big tree is shredded versus it's just, you know, there's a little scrape or two on it. Um, you know, the height of the height of the, the rub, um, and like, like scrapes, if they're really pawed out and big as a truck hood, like you hear all the time. And, um, kind of, kind of makes you feel like a, a bigger mature deer, aggressive deer is, has left that sign. Yeah, and and what about what about beds? Do you do you look for beds? What what's your thoughts on on finding beds? Um, do you do they play much a role in <clears throat> into your game plan with hunting? The, since you are hunting the rut, does that does that come into play at all? Um, what what are your thoughts on on buck bedding and doe bedding? I guess. Uh, I don't know, really, I guess 
like this time of year when I'm out scouting, I, I really pay attention to them. That's really when I look for them and, you know, kind of keep that in the back of my mind for, for the coming season. Um, but I do kind of, I do kind of have bedding in the back of my mind for these areas I hunt. I usually had, had found them, you know, the season prior or off season and kind of have an idea of where bucks and does are bedding in the area. Yeah. Yeah. And was there, is there anything that you, um, that you see like from, you know, buck bedding, do you see them, you know, you, you always hear and a lot of times, I mean, a lot of times I've found it true, but sometimes I haven't like where bucks are bedding, you know, out on a point or where they have a good visual. What, what do you kind of see from, do you see any trends with buck bedding? I do. Yeah. That, um, out on a point, um, where they, where they, where they have that, uh, wind coming over their back. Um, you know, sometimes they have uh, visual and sometimes it's, um, mainly just scent. Um, you know, a lot of times it's on a, on a steep slope where, um, there's a flat spot. It's going to be really steep, but there's just a little flat spot um, on these steep slopes where where a buck can bed. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, what, what about what about with doe? What about with doe bedding? Um, how much does that come into play, especially with you hunting the rut? Do you focus at all on doe bedding? Uh, there's a. There's a little smidge of me that pays attention to doe bedding. Right <laughs> I kind of have an idea of where where they'll be and where they'll be bedding. Um, like I said before, I kind of kind of have an idea and figure figure a little bit of that out when I'm I'm scouting postseason. Um, I try not to bust through and look through everything during season, but um, kind of go through it all postseason. But yeah, it's it. I kind of have a little bit of that uh, in the back of my mind about doe bedding, yeah. And, and doe bedding, so it's so difficult because it can seem so random at times because does, when they're in groups, they can really bed anywhere and have, right. you, they can bed in a circle and have, you know, visuals of all different directions. And, and I don't know if it's, if it's just something that that I've seen. I know a couple of my buddies um, were actually the ones that pointed it out to me um, was that you'd see a lot of times does bed, like say on the flat, like the flat oak, say a, a finger that comes out or anything. And then down overs where you'd find the buck bedding. And typically like when you'd go in there and if you would bump those does, they would run and almost like send like a warning sign to the bucks to you know, yeah, yeah. to plop off the, the ridge. And it's just, it's, it's kind of funny. Doe, doe bedding is, uh, interesting because you, you know, you hear so much about buck bedding, but when you're hunting that you're hunting the rut, like it's a lot of it's based around the does. It's just, it's really hard to, to pinpoint and be like, okay, this is what you typically find doe bedding in versus, um, where buck bedding, I feel like is a little bit more strategic and you can kind of figure that out a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Um, yeah, does are bad anywhere. I, yeah. feel. I mean, 
I have I have heard that like uh, bucks kind of give ourselves a little security layer of uh, you know like the the doe bedding if they if they alert and bust out of there then kind of gives them a heads up to get out too but mm-hmm. I, I don't think I've experienced that myself but you know, yeah. it makes sense yeah have you like so when you're finding some of this, you know, big sign and stuff, and I know you had sent me in, in a message when we were talking back and forth before this, you were talking about, you know, you only focus on areas that you're finding big sign. Cause I was asking him like, you know, if you, you know, you've killed quite a few big mature deer. And when I say, especially for, for Virginia, it's especially for Virginia, but they're big deer anywhere. But what I'm saying is like, you've, you're definitely focusing on, on big deer. So from the sounds of it, you're just focusing on areas that you find this big sign and you'll move on until you find that sign you're looking for. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, really, if an area, if I don't see big deer sign, then I'm just, I'm somewhere else. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm looking, I'm looking for the big deer. Yeah. 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 And, and do you, so this is this is going to be kind of interesting. I kind of I know your thought on this, but I don't know the details of it. Do you how, how do you use trail cameras if you do at all? I do use trail cameras. I've got I don't know five or six cameras, but you know I put them out like late summer, early fall, um, in my areas that. That, that have promise, I guess, and in areas that I've hunted before. Um, usually put them on like travel corridors, community scrapes during that time period. And I, I usually, um, I probably won't check them, but like once before October hunting season. And then, you know, after that, I'll, I'll either leave them or move them. And then they'll really just sit all hunting season. You know, like they're all scattered so far and so deep <laughs> in these areas. Like I just, I need to hunt and not worry about checking trail cameras. So really they just kind of soak all season where I put them. And then you know, I still haven't checked the ones. I haven't pulled them out from this past season. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. Cause, uh, so I, I, I have a mixture of like, I use trail cameras a lot, but most of the time it's for next season. Um, right. besides I do have some spots now that, but it's very touch as far as where I get cell signal, but I will use, uh, cell cameras, which helps me a little bit with kind of more now, uh, type data. Yeah. But for the most part, like it's, it's all, you know, next, next year. And like, I mean, the, the buck that I killed this year in opening day, I, I killed that not on trail camera data from this year. I killed it on the data from last year and knowing that he liked to use this trail, um, yeah. in the late season actually, but the food source was kind of the same with a newer logging cut. So, you know, same, same type of deal. I was just actually, uh, laughing. I put some cameras out in April of last of last year while I was scouting a new area and I've, I haven't made it back there yet. Like they're still, um, so I, who knows if they're still running, um, or not, but it's just like, or if they're stolen, who knows? But I just is like, a lot of times I just can't, like you said, when they're in there deep and stuff, it's just, 
you can't, but you're in it. You got to be in it kind of for the long game. Um, when it comes to learning these spots and, and, and knowing it as, as, as you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it, well, personal opinion, I think it's the best. Like I never did like checking truck cameras like really often. Um, and then, you know, they're so far back in there and I, I just want to hunt and kill a deer. Like, I don't think I'm going to kill a, kill a big deer going to check my camera. Uh, and there's usually not in spots that I really want to hunt. You know, they're like on a scrape in a pretty, in a pretty open woods. Um, where I don't, I don't think they'll be in the daylight. So. Yeah. So it's more of an inventory kind of thing for you and almost confirming that the sign that you're finding that there's a, there's a big deer in the area and then you're going to, yeah. then you're going to adjust and kind of hunt accordingly to that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. What, what about, um, what about, okay. So like your, your spots that you're actually hunting and I know you say you spend uh, a lot of time hunting, you know, in November, are you, are you sitting in the, the same spot a lot? Are you bouncing around? What, what does that kind of look like for, for you? So usually I'll, I'll have an area, a particular area that, you know, I, I have an idea that, that a big deer is in there in the area. I'll hunt there. And, um, like this past season, um, the first of November, I, I sit, um, and each day I saw a good buck, and he was like, he was just out of range, maybe 80 yards in thick cover, and each day I would move, like, into range to where he was that day, and, like, each day he was progressively the same distance away. <laughs> but, like, he, I don't know, he knew something was up. He knew I was in there, like, kept his di- I don't know. Uh, but that happened for three days on uh, on a pretty good buck in the first of November. Um, but I'm, you know, I'll move around. I'll bounce around. and um, But it's mainly an area. And then I'll kind of progress and, you know, move within that little area if I need to. And, you know, I have my multiple spots at, you know, I hunt all over the place, really. Yeah. Okay. And with with that, you know, with those setups and the things that you're that you're looking at, are you, do you feel like you spend a lot of time, you know, on the the side hills? Um, do you find yourself on benches? Do you find, or is that just completely depending on what the sign you're seeing is, or how if you're if you're looking at a spot and how do you know, like, okay, this is a place that I would consider setting up. Yeah, I think I think the sign, like I don't know, I guess it's, I guess it comes down to just all the years I've been hunting and picked up some woodsmanship along the way, and just been able to read the sign and kind of going off, uh, just just knowing. I don't know where I need to sit, <laughs> yeah. you know, off a relation to to the sign, and you know, I was like a faint trail coming into an area with the big sign, just kind of looking around and reading it. And most of the time it's on a steep, steep hillside. Okay. Uh, you know, if it's, and if it's not thick, really, it, it's not a good hillside, I think. So, 
Yeah. Okay. So you're all right. That's that's kind of what I was what I was looking to to pull out of you there, and it's it's it is difficult because it's hard to put it into words, and every situation is different. So I I understand that, but like you know, like so one thing I think that you said there that was really good was, you know the the faint trails leading up to that big sign. So sometimes you might you not might not be hunting that big sign that say there's this big scrape out in the this wide open oaks, but you know, three, four hundred yards or however far it is, you know, back yeah. in there's some thick cover along this hillside, you might find that trail with some faint rubs or something on it that might be something that would be an area you would focus on. Yeah, that's right. I mean, um just kind of just reading the the leaf litter that's that's fallen and trying to see see the faint stuff you know because i you know the bucks big bucks don't uh use those well well-worn trails and you can just barely see where they kind of come through and just uh kind of go off of there and go from there and how, so, how funny is it like i don't know from the amount of time i've spent in a tree and I've spent a lot of time hunting those heavily used trails to learn that like the bucks might be close, but a lot of times they'll be in that, like from, for me spending a lot of time hunting, uh, logging cuts, which I don't think there's as many where you're at, right. Is, is there many logging? Cut? Not much at all. Okay. So like, but you know, where I would hunt the edges and you know, there might be this big scrape on the edge of it and that's good, but you always got to be able to shoot into that cover. Cause that faint trail or maybe not even a trail sometimes it's just inside that, that briars and that cover or whatever it might be or laurel, you know, that's where they seem to travel. Um, even if you, you know, just, I mean, a matter of 10 yards in your setup can make a, a big difference depending on how that looks. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you just kind of got to have an eye for, you know, spotting the right cover and those those faint trails and picking the right tree it's, it's tough yeah you know it's it's one thing i I learned from uh nathan in in relation to this is you know a lot of times with like even pretty benches that look good you know on you might see that sign on it but you know the bucks are traveling just above it or just below it it could be could be close you could be you know in the game but not at the same time if you're not you know picking the right tree essentially along that and it does it takes a lot of time spent and a lot of time walking around and a lot of time in a tree of not doing good to realize where where you need to be you know yeah that's right i mean uh well i'm shooting a new bow this year and i am pumped after playing around with the buddies Hoy rx8 the smile on my face made the decision for me. The first thing I noticed with the new Hoyts were their extremely smooth draw cycles and the ability to adjust the back wall to make it rock solid like I prefer. I outfitted my own RX-8 with the inline accessories that made installation extremely easy and balanced out the bow. My favorite accessory so far is a simple one. It's the Go Sticks 2.0 adjustable legs to make your bow like a tripod, but it doesn't interfere with any part of the bow or the limbs or anything like that in addition the integrated kickstand within the hbx exact cams protect your string from excess wear when you put your cam into the dirt ground hunting or spot and stock just got easier if you want to experience what i'm talking about head to your nearest hoyt dealer and take a test drive yourself 
You can learn more at Hoyt.com. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a consumer-based hunting show unlike any other. It provides an interactive learning experience where you can try all things mobile hunting and learn from the best in the business. Come experience an unbiased, community-based environment where you can improve your hunting skills and find the right equipment for your needs. I'll be speaking at the Nor'easter Show in Mannheim, Pennsylvania at Spooky Nook Sports from August 9th to 11th, 2024. So come check it out or either of the other shows in uh, Michigan and Georgia. You can purchase tickets online at themobilehuntersexpo.com or grab tickets at the door. I'll see you there. I I spent a lot of time this year not doing (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, uh, I I hunted a particular subtle little bench this year with big sign on it. kind of on the edge looking below the bench um and really this one day i did hunt it was the only rut action i saw all year and it was like i'd i'd um been in my tree till legal shooting light was over and once i got down out of my tree at dark a buck come through chasing a doe right after dark and i was like you know it was like five yards from me (laughs) I was like, dang, you know, I was like, should have been right off the long end of the bench, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. They're <laughs> hard to figure out, man. Yeah. Yeah. They, they definitely are. And I guess that's why we keep, keep coming back, you know, for, for <laughs> that. And, and, but it, the one thing I noticed like with people like you and anybody else that's consistently successful is just the persistent side of it and just gotta keep keep doing it because there's no there's no short cuts i guess when it comes to success with that and it's yeah seems like it's always a long season yeah i agree i, I think like daggone persistence is the, the most important thing and hanging in there and until it until you get it done i mean hard work and persistence yeah yep and in doing it every every chance you get you know every chance that you can hunt and can get in there not not leaving early or not doing you know just it's just it's just plain hard work and doing it and putting the miles on in the spring and walking around and in season until you find that that sign and it's it's definitely not easy obviously that's why it's why it's uh there's very few people that are doing it consistently um but again that's like again i talk to a lot of i talk to a lot of good hunters and if i can like pull one thing out of every single one of them no matter where they hunt it's the persistent side of it oh yeah that makes sense i mean yeah i i still feel kind of like i'm in the infancy of like the whole realm of you know killing big deer <laughs> but I, I think i'm you know i still got a lot to learn and and um i don't know yeah hard, hard work yeah no i i i uh i agree i'm it's the same way it's just it's it's a constant learning thing and there's i don't think there'll be ever a time when we arrive you know it's always going to be um trying to strive for more and learn and and be able to learn from other people and just and and learn from the deer most importantly and what they're what they're telling you 
what yeah. how, how important um you know with wind and thermals and all that stuff come into play with your with your setups and how how you're figuring in any of that stuff I don't know. I'd say fifty-fifty. I mean, I, I halfway pay attention to the wind. Uh, uh, if anything, I mean, I kind of have an idea. You know, well, I always have an idea where the wind's coming out of. But you know, if I can hunt on the downwind side of where I think a deer will be coming from, then you know, I'll hunt there. Um, but, you know, in the mountains, it starts swirling and getting all squirrely and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And I don't really worry about it at that point. I mean. Yeah. I don't know. Um, you sound you sound like me with, like, as far as I hear people, like, if the wind shifts, that they get down and they move. And I'm like, no. Like, if I yeah, did that, I I'd never be in a tree. <laughs> That's right. I mean, it's crazy. The wind swirls and gets going nuts. Oh, it, you can't do nothing about it. Yeah, no, that's, 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 that's exactly right. We can do, you know, all we can as far as trying to understand how it works in the area and, you know, what, you know, certain, you know, you know, if, if it is a good, the, the hard thing is about like, especially thick areas that we like to hunt is the vegetation screws up like traditional thermals and wind with, you know, it's basically, yeah, you think of like water flowing and hitting yeah. rocks and, and hitting things and it's, twisting around and spinning and it's doing, you know, hitting the crick bank and doing these things. And it's the same way when you get to like, when you get to thick cover, you know, with, with a lot of your area with having, you know, rhododendrons and mountain laurel and a lot of my area having, um, uh, like hemlock trees and conifer trees mixed in and things, it changes it a lot and it, it can be, it can be super difficult. And, and I, I'm, I'm under the opinion, like I will hunt an area based off of the area more so than worried about screwing it up because of the wind. If it's a good spot, like I'm going to risk it for the most part. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, when I get into a spot, you know, I got, I have milkweed that I, I throw out and try to see where my current's flowing and, um, but you know, if it's going the wrong way, like I don't, I don't make too much, too big of a deal about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I understand that. And yeah. do, do you feel like, um, on these steep hillsides, do you feel like you're setting up above them or below them most of the time? Or does that depend on the tree that you have available? <laughs> I feel like I'm above them most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, uh, I feel like the travel is kind of like they side hill. If they do come to me, they're going to side hill to me instead of like the one this past year come right off the top of the ridge straight down into the, the holler to me, which I didn't expect. I thought they would side hill around the ridge to me, but he comes straight off the top. Um, I don't forgot what the question was. Oh no, about the the setting up on the the hill, whether you're setting above the trail or oh, below yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, usually above it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah that 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 makes sense, and it's it's hard it's hard below too. Like I mean, there's a lot of spots I have to kind of set up below, but you're almost at eye level, especially if if you're correct with the trail that they're going to be yeah. using, and it makes it difficult to get 
an opportunity at that point. Yeah, and those usually those thermals coming up. I do kind of pay attention to those. Mm-hmm. Uh, those thermals rising, then west wind coming over, and then uh, it all mixes together and gets all swirly. And... Yeah, if you could see Jordan right now, he's doing a bunch of hand movements. Um, <laughs> the, the wind just <laughs> yeah, messing around and swirling and and everything. But yeah, that's that's true. And uh, you know, yeah, a lot of the times in that uh, steep country, I mean, most of the day those thermals. Are, are coming up depending on where you're where you're at besides you know when it's shaded and the first thing in the morning and kind of in the evening and and i don't know about you but like especially during the rut like i mean i have a lot of i have a lot of midday movement and you know late morning movement and stuff so like for me i'm looking at the best best times you know for that and, and also i have a hope that by the time deer is going to get to that point that I'm gonna have, I'm gonna be drawn back, and I'm gonna be ready by the time he <laughs> catches my wind. I, I I play that into my my game a lot too, and it's because it's not like I'm, you know, we're hunting areas where there's a giant deer density, and you have to get past, you know, 14 does before this buck comes through. It's not it's not that scenario. Oh yeah, yeah, it's the same here. Like deer densities are very low. Yeah. So so yeah, I can agree with you there. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. And do you, um, I know you killed your buck off the ground this year, but do you hunt out of a tree most of the time or how, how does that work? Yeah, most of the time I do hunt out of a tree. Like, um, this year I just started, uh, saddle hunting. Uh, I got a tethered phantom predator platform and I've been one sticking with the. Oh, you've been uh, one sticking it, huh? Yeah, man. Yeah. Okay. All right. Pretty sweet. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so I've been using that Lone Wolf Custom Gear uh, double step with an aider, and I, I get on up there and then just repel right out of the tree. It's, it's really, awesome. yeah, I like it. That setup allows me to like get in a tree and take my stuff way back in there, where before I just hunt on the ground. So, so this year, interesting. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty sweet setup. Ah, oh, that's that's so interesting. It's funny that you went from hunting off the ground and now because you're set up so light that you can get up into the tree. And I'm sure it helps, like especially hunting in laurel and stuff, being able just to see above it a little bit and For sure, yeah. It's 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 been like it's been great this year. Like and I the one day I I wasn't wasn't in a tree, I was still hunting. Uh it was windy and wet as the day that I killed that deer, but it's like the only day I hunted on the ground this year. <laughs> That's crazy. And, and so how, so your experience with one sticking has been good because like I, I had, um, I worked some events for tethered and watched Carl, um, do the, doing these one sticking demos for people. And I joke with him. I said, I'm not doing that. I said, that looks like, you know, looks difficult. And he's like, I'm telling you, you got, you got to try it. And I, I feel like I need to play with it this summer. Well, yeah, you got to check it out. Like, well, I hadn't even dipped into the, like, four-stick method or anything like that. I I went straight to one-sticking with the aider, and I'm not looking back. It it was, yeah, it's light. It's great, man. You got to check it out. Really? Man, that is sweet. I'm I'm pumped that you told me that because I I want it. I haven't. 
I've heard people are doing it a lot, and I wanted to hear from somebody that was kind of new to it and see what they they thought with it. Yeah, I'd never, you, I had never used climbing sticks, and um, yeah, I just bought bought a Lone Wolf Custom Gear double step and an aider, and you know, slowly worked myself up the tree and did it for the first time and repelled right out. We're- yeah. It, it, it don't take much to get used to. It's what, great. Did you just learn, you know, off of YouTube or something as far as yeah. like what other stuff you needed to get for it? And Yeah, pretty well. Yeah. Uh, can't remember that, uh, that website where I got some of my information. Uh, some like Saddle Hunter yeah. website or something. Huh. That's cool. Uh, that uh, I'm pumped that, that you, you told me that. I, I, I'm going to have to check that out because it... I mean, it's not that like my sticks weigh much of anything and, you know, but one, it's pretty cool to do that. And, and two, <laughs> it yeah. even cuts down on, on more weight and the amount of stuff that yeah you, you need to, to carry in with you. Yeah. It's fun flying out of the tree and, you know, <laughs> besides being fun, you get down in like 30 seconds and yeah. you're done. Yeah. That's what I'm, yeah. Takedown is like. Yeah, that's that. incredible. Yeah, like is, there's no more like packing up a, a a climbing tree stand and putting bungees on it and all that mess. It's, it's great. Yeah, yeah, man, that sounds that sounds awesome. So, what did that? Uh, you had uh, there was a buck. I think it was was it 2019. You killed like just an absolute mega giant. Yeah, I was 19. Is that 19? So that was off the ground. Yep. So to yeah. talk a little bit about that deer. Did you know anything about him? No, I had no idea. Really? I I'll tell you both that like the biggest and last deer that I've killed, like maybe the past three big bucks that I've killed, I, I had no idea they were in the area. Had no trail cam pictures of them. I was just hunting big sign and you know, then it happened. But uh, that that one in 2019, I had went into this area, new area. I wanted to switch it up. It was like, it was first week in November. I think I'd went in there once before and saw there were, there was big deer sign in there, big rubs, uh, scrapes. And on this particular day, I uh, pushed in uh, way deep and, followed the big sign and um, just kind of kept pushing in following the sign and was actually still walking in to get set up to the area I had in mind and noticed a deer uh, up the woods about 40 yards and uh, there he was. And he stopped all pretty there broadside and I shot him. <laughs> oh, man. You talk about you talk about tore up. <laughs> I was, could imagine how, how big how big was that deer? Like as far as inches wise goes, it was one hundred sixty five inches. Oh, dang. thirteen points. He was a monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was on one of the Mountain Buck Monday uh, posts and stories. I think maybe last year i shared it a couple years ago or something i remember holy cow like that deer is just insane like i mean you're you're no like don't get me wrong like your buck this year is no slouch like that thing was a a tank but 
this deer's just like had everything just wide heavy points um he, he had his g2 was like had i remember had this big like y almost like a y to it or v that was like split similar to the way my dad's buck looked this year and just yeah. like it was just so cool it was gnarly yeah he had he had uh i think two big points coming off his g2 that's him right there you can see oh yeah 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 i see him i see him back there on the wall behind you he got you got quite a few back there. <laughs> it looks better in person. I I could I could imagine they look good on camera, so I can imagine they look uh, even better in person. <laughs> yeah, he, he's he's got the mass and width and everything, like you said, man. He was he was incredible. I don't know if I ever get to top that thing. Shoot. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure every time you walk past him, you're just like, damn, like that's yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm sure going to try. I'm going to try to top him. We'll yeah. see what happens. I know that's 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 my. Uh, uh, I, I I always you know have I'm I have a goal like you know just I just want one of those. Just I know once I once I do it like it's you're gonna want another one, but like I just want yeah. one just like jaw dropping just deer and yeah. and I've chased a couple of them. I've chased a few of them that have just been like. They've also been very heartbreaking when, uh, when you, when you know, it's, it's probably better to not know they're there and, you know, <laughs> yeah. hunting that sign. What, what kind of sign did he leave? Did he leave some like really giant rubs or was it, was it? Yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He left, he, he, he tore up everything. He was, yeah, he left some giant rubs everywhere. Like it was pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> so is is there anything else that you can think of that if you were to leave the listeners with here, like as far as if there's like, I don't know, top three things that you can think of, like, okay, this is, you know, what's kind of led to me finding some of these deer, like three things that you focus on could be very generic, but what, what, what could you think of there? I'd say putting in the, the, the absolute absolute most time in the woods that you can whether it's you know off season scouting in season scouting and hunting uh just all that time is what's going to get you a big deer Mm -hmm. Um, time and hard work uh putting in that effort um i don't know i was gonna say trail cameras but i'm not too i don't know know about (laughs) that's funny (laughs) i don't know i'd say just time and hard work i mean that's all it takes really and know how to read that sign yeah the woodsmanship thing is is you can't it's so hard to describe woodsmanship on like a podcast or anything like that but that's where that time comes into and understanding what you're seeing and that takes time to do that like you can't get frustrated you know with it like especially you know and even now I spent, I spent a ridiculous amount of time in the woods as you do and, and scouting and doing this stuff. But it's like you go into a new area or something and it seems like everything is new and it takes time. Like that's, there's no short, shortcuts about it. I mean, you, you have to apply information that, that the deer giving you and figure out, you know, and don't be afraid to try it and try different things and see what happens, I guess. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it just, uh, it does take a lot of, a lot of looking and 
you know, reading different spots and experience of thinking you're reading that spot right and getting it wrong and, you know, a lot of that. And so, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on and talking to me here, Jordan. Uh, I think this was, this was really good. I was excited to get to talk to you and kind of get inside your head a little bit on, uh, on hunting some of these deer and, and, you know, Jordan comes across as, as very humble and, uh, but like the Virginia mountains is just, that's, it's, it's, I don't know how to put it. Like I, I have not personally hunted that, that area or anything, but from the looks of it and the sounds of it, like that's a, one of the toughest places in the country to hunt and kill mature whitetails. So like it's, it's, uh, I, I, appreciate you coming and sharing your information with and hopefully people are are paying attention yeah of course no problem i'm glad to be here and appreciate you having me yeah so where can where can people find um uh information on you what's your uh, social media channels there if you're willing to, to give that out and um see some of your photography work because i mean whether it's hunting or other stuff i mean you obviously do great photography work so I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, so, so my personal Instagram where I, I share more of the like hunting uh, kind of photography stuff is uh, at Jordan H. Worth on Instagram. And uh, my business Instagram is at Hollinsworth Photography. Uh, and I'm on Facebook, Hollinsworth Photography. You got a website and all that too. So, Awesome. Well, thank you again, Jordan, for coming on. I uh, I really, really do appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, but it was a great time. I appreciate you having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.